fortress is our God. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The year was 1521. 
the powers that be wanted to do it the civil way. At least they wanted to seem above board. So they called an empire-wide meeting, a diet, at a place called Worms, Germany, the Diet of of Worms. And there they were going to deal with the division that was in the empire. They were going to fix the, the Luther problem, as they called it. So they compelled him to be there at that meeting. They, they promised him safe conduct. They told his elector, they made a guarantee that, uh, that uh, for 21 days, no one could touch him so that he could make it safely to this meeting and, and back from it. And there, at the Diet of Worms, in 1521, the emperor, the most powerful civil ruler of the day. He was wearing several different crowns, commanding several different nations' armies. And the Pope, the, most would argue, much more powerful ruler of the day, together told Luther to take it back. Recant. Take back what you've written and never talk about it again. His answer? I am bound by the scriptures I have quoted. My conscience is captive to the word of God. I cannot and will not recant. Here I stand, so help me God. He said no. He refused to back down from what God's word said, even though the the church and the civil rulers wanted to kill him if he didn't. And they got right to work on that. Let me read for you what Aleander, one of the, the papal representatives there, wrote to the emperor that day. He said, <clears throat> We must take speedy measures to have him seized even before he enters Bohemia, since later on it might be difficult and practically impossible to lay hands on him. And then the diet itself, that official meeting of the empire, placed Luther under the ban. In other words, they prohibited anyone from giving him assistance and gave this command to any law-abiding citizen. They said that wherever you find or meet or are able to seize him, you make him your prisoner, send him to us under guard. But, I'm guessing you've probably heard the name Martin Luther. You know what that means? Spoiler alert. They, they didn't succeed. Right? He, he survived. Even though they, they were coming at him. In fact, even on his way home from, from the diet, the group that he was with was ambushed by, by armed horsemen who dispersed the group and kidnapped Martin Luther. Now, these horsemen were sent by Luther's elector, his, his local governor, to protect him because he knew that something worse would be happening. He took Luther to, to Wartburg Castle, a, a literal fortress where he was, he was safe. Everyone else thought he was dead, or most thought he was dead, but, but there he was very, very alive, writing and translating and, and working. For almost a year he stayed hidden there, protected by a fortress. But really protected by the mighty fortress that he would later write about in that hymn we just sang. Because no elector was going to be able to stand up against the emperor and all of his might. No human of the day was going to be able to stand up against the pope when the pope declared something. 
Luther had a, a mightier fortress than, than the Wartburg Castle. Let me read for you how he described that battle. <clears throat> he said, I simply taught, preached, and wrote God's word. Otherwise, I did nothing. And while I slept, the word so greatly weakened the papacy that no prince or emperor ever inflicted such losses upon it. I did nothing. The word did everything. You see, God had taught Martin Luther to be still, at least in this. Now, that doesn't mean he, he did nothing. No, this monk slash priest slash teacher slash translator slash doctor of theology slash counselor slash advisor, he was busy. But he was able to be still. And today, that's what God tells us to be. Be still and know that I am God. Our Reformation text is this psalm of the day, Psalm 46. You heard the, the choir sing it. We, we sang uh, Luther's rendition of it in, in that A Mighty Fortress song. It's printed for you in the bulletin there. So, so scan through those verses of Psalm 46. I, I won't read it all, but notice what's happening here. God's got some really nice things to say to us, right? You don't have to fear. Be still. But notice when he says that happens. When your world is raging. Look at verse 2. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. In the face of that, no fear? Right. I mean, imagine if kind of the, the worst-case scenario predictions of, of all the climate change stuff come true, and, and you're standing there as, as states are literally falling off into the ocean, and, and, and the, the, the earthquakes and the hurricanes and the, and the tornadoes are, are whipping around more than ever, and, and the ground that you are standing on is literally crumbling away. Do not fear? Easier said than done, Right? But, but maybe it's not just the physical disasters. Maybe your heart knows what it's like when, when your heart is undergoing those kind of storms and, and turmoil. Right? The, uh, the mountain of support you thought you had is suddenly crumbled into the sea. The power of, uh, of, of the things that, that protected you, are, are, it's suddenly shaken. The relationship breaks. The, the anger surges. The fear, the worry, the stress. And, and you know those storms in your heart. Or maybe it's the future. Look at, look at verse 6. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. I mean, wars and rumors of war all around our world. I mean, did you know that right now there are four major wars going on in our world, all of which have claimed more than 10,000 combat lives this year alone? You had another 18 wars that have claimed between 1,000 and 10,000 combat lives. Or inside our own country. How about the mass shootings at the, at the mall in Boise or that school in Memphis or the, the apartment complex in Mississippi or North Carolina? Or in our own county? 
a bridge crumbling into the Yellow River, killing one and, and injuring others, a, a, a drug-related shooting up on 36 just, just this week. Or how about politics? Think about what might happen. What if the other side wins the, the, the next election? Whichever side you're on, you listen to the other side. And, and boy, if they win, then, then there's, there's, you know, the economy is going to tank and, and the national security is going to be gone and our world is going You know, nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. It's not too hard to imagine ourselves on that boat in the Sea of Galilee with the disciples crying out, Lord, we're going to drown. But I'm guessing you know what happens in that story too. Our psalm tells us, the very center of the psalm, he lifts his voice, the earth melts. With the power of the word that created the world and calmed the storm, every threat we could fear melts. And so look at what verse 10 says that means for us. Be still and know that I am God. That's a message for the enemies. That's also a message for us. The the word picture there is of, of letting your hands drop. Right? So quit fighting. Let them drop. To the enemy, it's drop your sword. To us, it's drop your stress. The one who controlled the raging sea of Galilee by just his voice is the same one that controls all the storms in our lives with that very same voice. His word. This is where his power is. So we can drop our stress. He melts. Whatever could cause us fear. And then the psalmist invites us to come and look at the proof. Look at at verse 8. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations he has brought on the earth. I mean, that's why we study our Bible, isn't it? I mean, you you, you see what God has done, whether that's how he he handled the rebels at the Tower of Babel or the the Egyptian army at the Red Sea or or the Assyrians when they were besieging Jerusalem. And and that's the one, actually, that that many commentators think is the, the direct historical context for the writing of this psalm originally. It's not a real famous Sunday school story, but, but maybe you've heard of it where uh, um, the Assyrian army was kind of taken over the world and, and had defeated the northern kingdom of, of Israel and there were just the two tribes left and, and, and it kind of shrunk it down to Jerusalem. The people of Israel that were still alive were, were trapped inside Jerusalem with the army all around and they were under siege. They weren't letting anything in. The people in there were starving literally starving to death. They were eating things you do not want to eat and even fighting over that because that there wasn't enough of, of that. And as they're dying, God comes and says, oh, don't worry, I've got this. And that night he sent his angel to the Assyrian camp and killed 185,000 soldiers and the rest fled. So in the morning... When King Hezekiah and the Israelites woke up and they looked out in those fields around Jerusalem, come and see the works of the Lord. So many dead enemies, so much material of war, so many supplies that all they could do to start cleaning it up was was burn it. He 
breaks the bow, he shatters the spear, he burns the shields with fire. And God hasn't stopped melting the opposition. In Luther's day, it was the emperor and the pope who were unable to stand against that little monk armed with God's word. Today, what really can stir your waters? He's already calmed it. Because, as the psalm says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Or as we sang, a mighty fortress is our God, a trusty shield and weapon. I mean, what a lesson for all the times that we get so worked up and forget that. For all the times we become the ones raging, whether that's against one another and, you know, the, the I'll get even. We, we pull out the, the, the weapons of war, the, the sword of our sarcasm, the, the, the shield of our, our gossip, the, the, the bow of our biting remarks. Or our raging is against God. It's not fair. I don't want to do it your way, God. In that raging sea, the man in the boat stands up and stretches out his arms and says, Be still and know that I am God. He showed us how that worked when he stretched out his arms to the wood of the cross so that he could say to our hearts, be still. I've got it taken care of. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And he shows us the proof. Come and see the works of the Lord. We go to that that field outside Jerusalem and see the blood-soaked cross and the empty tomb. He took the consequence for all of our raging He felt the fury for all of the chaos our lives bring. He buried our punishment and rose to declare the battle finished. And suddenly the picture changes. As abruptly as that picture changes between verses 3 and 4, look at that. From from being about to drown in that roaring sea in verse 3, suddenly we're looking at a crystal clear river calmly flowing through the middle of the city of God, that that river of life, no longer on our own in a scary sea. Look at verse 4. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. When our lives seem raging out of control, God's word points us to the one who controls the waters. The one who gives living water to us by pouring out his blood for our sins. The Lord Almighty is with us. Right here in his word is the same power that melted the opposition that calmed the storm, that defeated the emperor and the pope, the same power that calms your hearts. Because the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So when your world is raging, be still and know that he is God. May he be exalted in your lives. May he bring peace to your hearts. In Christ, amen. Now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.
Let's rise and confess our faith together using the words of the Apostles' Creed printed on page 15 in the bulletin. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated as we take this opportunity to give our gifts of thanks and praise to God in the form of our offering. As the offering is collected, please do fill out the friendship registers that are being handed down the aisle. As you put your information in there, it better allows us to do what God has called us together to do. Encourage one another on toward love and good deeds.